Awesome stuff, awesome stuff. So somebody mentioned to me this morning, they said, you look like a waiter. <laughs> so I'm thinking, bless you for that. You, huh? So I said, that person, make sure you put a good tip in, all right? Okay, when the offering went round, you look like a waiter. I said, yeah, actually, do you know what? I've been waiting on God this week for a word for you. <laughs> so I am a waiter, all right? I may, have, I may not have a tea towel over my arm, Wendy, all right? But I am a waiter. I'm waiting on God. God says, those who wait on me will be strengthened in the Lord. And sometimes you've got to wait. You've got to wait. It doesn't happen instantly. We live in a culture where everything has to be on demand. Rosie, my daughter, is kind of, if you have to wait for, you know, five seconds for something to come on Netflix or YouTube and it don't come on instantly, they get irritated, don't they? You think, I mean, heck, when I was young, it was, you had to wait ages. Going back another generation even further, you had to... It's just that generation, isn't it? But those who wait upon the Lord, their strength will be renewed. Amen? Amen. I'm not going to mention Argyle. No. I know I have now, but I'm not going to mention Argyle. I know you think I all am. I'm, I'm going to do it. I have now. I know. Well, Wendy started it. She said, I'm sorry, you're going to bring it. I haven't even got it in my notes about Argyle. How about that? Because I want to tell you, I'm not. Hey. <laughs> But I want to tell you, there is a, 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 a wave of these youngsters at the minute that are just celebrating this team that have got promotion. I want to tell you, yeah, that's great. But my eyes are fixed upon the Lord. Yeah, I don't want to make football an idol. No. I don't want to bring idolatry. I know you mentioned that the other week, but you can easily get caught in the trap of making something bigger than it is. Yeah. And I want to keep my feet firm upon the ground. Yeah, celebrate them when they win. But my eyes are fixed upon Jesus. That's where my help comes from. He'll never let you down. He'll never let you down. Whereas Argyle let me down many times. <laughs> they let you down. But I want to tell you, I want to tell you this morning, don't compare. Don't compare where you are today with, with where someone else may be. Last week I said, don't compare where you are today. It's not going to be your final destination, where you are. But I want to say today, don't compare where you are today with where someone else may be. Because it just may be that they're being blessed in this season because God's favor is with them. God's favor is with you, but it may be a pruning season for you. But you can look at someone else and think, well, God, you're blessing them. Why aren't you doing it to me? Don't compare. No, amen to that where you are with someone else's walk. You don't know what they're going through. I learned that a long time ago. Not to be critical or judge someone if they're excited praising, aren't we? We're, we shoot ourselves in the foot, don't we? A lot of, we see a Christian praising, we're like, oh, look at them, getting all excited. What's wrong with them? But you don't know what God's doing through their life that they're able to celebrate and praise. We were singing songs this morning saying, that's the reason I dance. And I wanted to make sure that I jumped in the air. Because, yes. yeah, I may have got a little bit excited yesterday at the football, but I want to be more excited in here, in this place. That's it. That's it. You're right there. Don't compare where you are today with where someone else may be. That's true, Pastor. In season and out of season. When it's favorable and when it's unfavorable. See, someone else may be being clapped in a season, 
And you've got to go through sometimes where you're not being clapped. You just got to do things under the radar. I remember I have to make a confession. You remember when we were um, the NHS where we had to go out and clap the, um, the, 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 the staff for the NHS? You remember that? You're all lucky thinking that was so long ago. That was like three years ago. But you remember we did that? It was like once a week, wasn't it? I think. Was it a Wednesday, was it? We went out and we all stood on our doorsteps and we were all clapping like thin air. So, but we were all doing it together, weren't we? It was a real occasion, and yeah, to be celebrated, we thank them for what they did. For, we thank them for today. I mean, they're under pressure today. We thank them for what they're doing. But sometimes you're being clapped, but there's other times that you're not being clapped. And this is your pastor speaking now. There was a time when we were doing the clapping where I was going out for a run, and I thought, I need to, I need to feel like kind of clapped. So what I did is I timed my run. <laughs> So to, to get in Riola Gardens, that's a long straight for 8 o'clock in the evening where, where the NHS were coming out and everyone was clapping as I'm running down the street. I was be, it felt like I was in the London Marathon or something. See, so I was being clapped for something that I didn't even do. And so sometimes in your life, you'll be being celebrated and other times you won't be being celebrated. Rosie thought that was brilliant. The thing that I was coming down the street and everyone's just clapping. And then this numpty running down, this is your pastor doing it. I feel ashamed. I, do, I haven't done it since. I haven't done it since. See, there are some days when you're being clapped and celebrated. And then there'll be other days where no one's looking. And you think nobody cares. And you think, does anybody appreciate me? You know, you opening up the building each week, the food bank volunteers, people that do get involved with serving the church, a waiter, <laughs> serving. But sometimes we can be doing it under the radar. But don't compare. Don't compare. We do live in a comparison culture, don't we? Everybody's comparing. And social media, oh, don't... I, but we look at other people's lives and we're constantly comparing all the time. You know, I look at the life of Paul. There's countless times in Paul's life where you just think if he was to compare what had been happening in other people's life, he was the guy who was responsible for writing two-thirds of the New Testament. And what happened to Paul? It says that he was shipwrecked twice. He was stoned. He was beaten with rods to within an inch of his life three times. He was imprisoned. He was falsely accused. He was bitten by a snake. <laughs> he shook that off. He was stoned. He was anxious for the church. Can you imagine? He, he founded a lot of the early church, and it says that he was anxious. for. That's why he wrote the letters to the churches. They were being persecuted. And this is Paul. See, if he had compared his life thinking, well, God, you know, I'm supposed to be an apostle. I'm supposed to be preaching the gospel. And this has happened to me how much more? But he said that in 2 Corinthians 12, what does he say? And I've had to say this a few times to myself and to other people is to say that Paul came to realize that in all of this, he says that I've learned that I would rather boast. <laughs> What do you mean, rather boast? He says, I'd rather celebrate. I would rather boast in my infirmities. Hallelujah. How about that one? My disappointments. 
my pain. He says, I'd rather boast in that so that the power, the power of Christ may rest upon me. Wow. If we were to fully grasp that, that Paul said that, if we were to fully grasp what that actually means, it would be so transformational in our lives. He says, I would rather take pleasure for when I'm weak, then I am strong. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. See, it's an upside down kingdom. You always said that, haven't you? It's an upside down kingdom. But we can't compare where we are today with, with where other people, even as pastors, even as pastors, we can't compare. We can't, I can't compare with you. I'm not afraid of, of your gifting and your ministry, and I know you're not afraid of, that's how we complement one another. We work as a leadership team, we work and flow together. I don't compare myself to you, but I don't compare our, 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 the, the pastoral side, but I don't compare our church to any other church, neither. But it happens in churches. See, over the last few weeks, I've been meeting up with quite a few um, pastors and, and um, leaders of churches around the city, um, meeting with some um, couple of pastors on Thursday morning. And then we were in a, a, a cafe, and they invited one of their kind of um, guys in their leadership team who, he kind of, quite a big guy. I was kind of sat there thinking, please, please don't hurt me. He, he came over, you know, when you say, and he had this tiny little dog. <laughs> it was smaller than Minnie. It was like, it was this little dinky thing, and I'm thinking it just didn't look kind of, you'd expect him to have like a big bulldog or something, you know, and he had this tiny little dog. So we like, they invited him over for coffee. Yeah, please come and sit. And he, he again thought, like, oh, you know, I was going to take his order. He thought I was a waiter. So <laughs> I said, I'm not a waiter, I'm just here, I'm being served. And as he was um, chatting, I looked down. And the dog had just started weeing on the floor. <laughs> this is just a big puddle on the floor. And you know, I spoke about footprints last week, didn't I? And this dog was kind of splashing around in, in its whatever. And I had to say, I had to say, um, oh, excuse me, I said, your, your dog's just weeing all over the floor here in the, in the, in the cafe. And he's oh, all right. He said, yeah, I'll sort that out. And he, he picked the dog up and he put it on my lap. <laughs> And this little dog then is climbing all, not this shirt, obviously, it would have been yellow. But he then he's sort of climbing all over me and he starts like, do, you know when they start scuffing their back legs when they've been to the loo and he starts scuffing himself on me. And I'm thinking, oh, what is going on here? But I didn't say anything to him. But we can't compare ourselves to other churches. No. Because what God's doing in other churches, you say, well, God, why aren't you doing it in our church? Why aren't we seeing it? Why aren't we seeing it? But I want to tell you, we need to celebrate other pastors and other yeah, leaders yeah, and other churches yeah, in this city man. that God's moving through. Celebrate them. Amen. See, today, I want to say to you, he is more than able. He is more than able. More than able. There's a great song that I'm listening to at the moment that, from Elevation Worship that's actually called More Than Able. And what I want Dave and the team to do when we upload this onto YouTube, I want to put the link in there for you to be able to see it because it's an incredible song and some of the words are just incredible. 
One of the lines in the song is it says, who am I to deny what the Lord can do? Who am I to deny what the Lord can do? See, and it says that he is not done with you yet. I know Wendy the other week has been saying about if you're not dead, you're not done. He's not done. But I love this line. It says he's not done with you yet. There's so much more to your story. Do you believe that this morning? That there is so much more to your story. And there's always two sides to every story, isn't there? There's always two sides, John, to every story, isn't there? Well, I want to tell you, you're wrong. (laughs) There's not two sides to every story. What do you mean? There's a third side to the story. There's a third side to the story. I want to tell you today, the third side to the story is his side. It's his side. See, people may have spoken negatively over you. You may have been labeled. You may have had things that facts and things spoken over you. I want to tell you, we've heard before, the facts aren't final. His side is final. He has the final word. Amen? He has the final word. So if you turn in your Bibles, please, to Joshua 5. His side is final. There's not just two sides to a story. There's a third side that you'll be pleased to know. A third side to the story. And in Joshua 5, we've got Joshua leading the people, the children of Israel. We've got him leading the people into the promised land. See, Moses had died at this point. Moses had died, and Joshua was now appointed by God as the new leader. Moses had led the people to the edge of the promise, the promised land. He had brought them so far, and they had crossed over the Red Sea. They had crossed over the Jordan River, and God had promised them. He said that, this is what he said to Joshua. He said, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will be with you, Joshua. He brought them a long way. And he's not about to fail you now. And he did all these things while they were still eating manna. All these things up until this point, they were eating the miracle of manna. Now what you say, what is manna? And that's what the children of Israel said. They kind of looked at it and said, what is it? It was like a coriander seed, I believe, with um, white in color, and it was like a wafer. A lot of theologians and Scott, it was like a wafer that kind of had a sweet sort of taste like honey. But they had had it for, for 40 years, for six days, every, every six days for 40 years, they had had this that God had provided. And then if you look in verse 12 of Joshua 5, it says this it says that then the manna ceased. Then the manna ceased. The children of Israel had come to the point where they were coming to Jericho. And it's interesting to me that then the manna ceased. After 40 years, they no longer needed the old because they were starting to step into the new. They no longer needed the old 
See, the method may alter, but the source never changes. The source never changes. God was still their provider. He was still their provider. And Jesus said this in, um, in Matthew's gospel. Jesus says, you can't put new wine into old wineskins. You can't put the new into the old. Why? Why was that? Why was that relevant that Jesus is saying this? Because when wine ferments, it expands. It expands. And in, in the biblical times, the, the wine skin was made out of like a goat um, skin. So what it would do is the, the old skin would stretch. And then if you put new wine in there, it would burst. It would break the wine skin. See, today, how's that relevant to us? I want to tell you, you're a new creation. Amen. You have been made new. So your old life, your old past life, if today you're kind of thinking, God, why is this? God has put a newness in you. He's put a new spirit within you. You're a new creation. See, the manna was temporary. The manna was only temporary. But the milk and honey, the promised land there is permanent. Aren't you thankful for that? For his promise that is permanent. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. But there's so many times, and I know in my own life, there's so many times where I want to stay having the manna. I want to stay eating the manna because it's easier. It's easier. They didn't have to work for the manna. They didn't have to work for it. It just appeared every morning. And a double portion on Saturday, I believe. They didn't have to go out on the Sunday or the Sabbath. Probably the Saturday would have been the Sabbath. Friday, Monday, Tuesday. But they, they, they didn't have to go out and collect it on that one day a week. Because it was easier. But it says that they started to eat off the land. The produce of the land. But they had to work for that. They had to work for that. You see, faith without works is dead. James says this. He says, I'll show you my faith by my works. See, faith comes first. Faith always comes first. Our great, our salvation is not by works. It's not by works. It's by grace or through faith by grace. We're saved by grace through faith. But what I love is about the, the, the story there of Abraham. If you've not read it, then have a look in Genesis 15. where Before that, sorry, in Genesis 12, God says that Abraham is made righteous. He's made righteous because he believed. Not because of anything he'd done, just because he believed. In faith, he was made righteous. But then in Genesis 15, it says that when he came to sacrifice Isaac... He said that perfected his faith. He was made, he demonstrated through works. He demonstrated that faith through the offering of Isaac. And the two come together. The two come together. They work together. In James, it says that faith and works, they are working together. It's not one against the other. It's not faith against works and works against faith. They work together. Work together. And so here we have the, the children of Israel. In verse 13, it says that they came to Jericho, one of the most ancient cities in the world. 
It was a stronghold. Jericho represented a stronghold. And it says that it was securely shut up. Now, the night before, you can imagine that Joshua would have been with his military leaders. They would have been putting together a plan, a strategy, a plan to, to think, well, how are we going to defeat the people inside these walls? How are we going to bring about a victory? Because it was securely shut up. And here we go. Remember, there's always a third side to the story, yeah? There's always a third side to the story. And it says in verse 13, it says that it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and he looked. He lifted his eyes and looked. And it says that, behold, a man stood opposite him. Now, you need to make sure in your Bible that you've got the man there as a capital M. Yeah, Rob's nodding his head. He likes this one. This here, has to, your Bible has to have a capital M. This man, most scholars, theologians believe that this was Jesus pre-incarnate from when he was born. This is Jesus in the Old Testament. This is Jesus stood here opposite Joshua. Joshua is about to have an encounter with Jesus in the flesh. See, that's all you need. I said it earlier, that's all you need is an encounter with Jesus. When you have an encounter with Jesus, it changes everything. It changes everything. And before they even went into battle, Jesus says that he's come. He's, he's, he's had his sword drawn. And Joshua here, Joshua thinks that there's only two sides to the story. Joshua thinks there's only two sides. This is Joshua's response when he sees this man stood opposite him with his sword drawn. This is his response. Look at it. He says, are you for us or are you against us? Two sides to the story. Are you for us or are you against us? Are you on my side or are you on their side? Are you Tory or are you Labour? I'm trying to relate it to our lives. Are you Trump or are you Biden? Are you red or are you blue? Are you up or are you down? Are you Plymouth or are you Exeter? What, is, what side are you on? Well, yeah. That's what I'm saying. There's always another side to the story. Joshua was coming thinking there was only two sides. Are you for us? Or are you against us? But I love what Jesus responds to him. Look what Jesus responds. He just says, no. <laughs> Jesus just says, no, I'm neither. I'm neither. See, there's always a third side, and it's the kingdom side. There's the kingdom side. And I love Jesus' response after he says no. Because Jesus says, I have now come. I have now come. 
And I believe somebody needs to hear that today. Somebody needs to hear that today. Those words that simply say, Jesus says, I have now come. See, because when Jesus comes, he brings peace. When Jesus comes, he brings comfort. When Jesus comes, he brings his arms of love around you. It may not be the way that we think it's going to happen, but Jesus knows what's best for us. Jesus says to Joshua, he says, no, I have now come. You see, ultimately, God's in charge. God's in charge. And Joshua was putting together a battle plan. Joshua would have been looking to say, God, how can we go into the promise? Now? How can you take us on to victory, trying to sort it out? But Jesus comes to him and Jesus says, I'm in charge. And that always has to be our stance is to know that ultimately, you know, whether we've fallen out with family members or friends or things have happened in our lives where we're looking and saying there's always two sides to every story. But I want to tell you today there's a third side because he's in charge. God is in charge. And the manna may have ceased. The manna ceased. The manna may have ceased, but God is still saying, I'm in charge and I am your source. I am your source. See, to me, this says that we need to be on his side. It's not about what Joshua is saying. He said, are you on our side or are you on their side? But to me, this says, that's not like Jesus says, no. The question is that I need to be on his side. And that's what it always comes down to. Not trying to get Jesus to be on our side so that we could just be right. It's more important to be righteous than to be right. Do you know that? Oh, God, help me to be more righteous than just being right all the time. It's not about just being right. It's about being on his side, not getting him, Jesus, to be on my side. And yes, I know that he says he'll never leave me or forsake me. But I've got to be on his side. You've got to be on his side. You need to know Jesus, this Jesus that can totally transform your life. If you don't get anything else from today, it's knowing that there's a Jesus that loves you. There's a Jesus that can come inside and so change your heart and fill your heart. And give you true life. That's what he's come to do. He's come to give you life. And what I saw at Argyle yesterday is that there is a whole group of people that are are looking for for life or looking for fulfillment, but they're looking in the wrong place. They're trying to fill a a void, an emptiness in here, but there's only Jesus that can fill that emptiness. There's only Jesus that can fill that void. True life. See, because I guarantee there'll be many people that will be waking up with headaches and hangovers and just a feeling of, what was that all about? Yeah, it may have lasted for a minute, but it'll be emptiness again this morning, and on to the next thing, and on to the next thing. Whereas I want to tell you, Jesus is the sustainer. He's the all-sufficient one. 
He's the one who keeps me. God's in charge. We need to be on his side. That gives me great hope. Do you know that? That gives me great hope today is to know that there's a third side. His side. And that if you're coming up like the children of Israel were here, they were coming to Jericho. That was, like I said earlier, it was securely shut up. Couldn't get in, couldn't get out. That gives me great hope that in between the manna ceasing, the miracle, and the miracle of the promised land, right in the middle of there, you think, why did Jesus show up there? Why did Jesus come at that point? It was to give Joshua a sense of of hope. Give me a sense of hope that knowing that when I'm looking, thinking, well, how do I, how do I get through this, Lord? How do I get through this problem? How do I get through this life event? You need to know that. Because Jesus wants to bring you through. And that gives me great hope today. That if you don't see a way in, or you don't see a way out of what you're dealing with, I want to tell you there's a God, there's a Jesus that says, I have now come. I've now come. That gives me great hope. God's in charge. And what did Joshua do? What did Joshua do? Have a look in verse 14. After the Lord said, I have now come. I have now come. Joshua, he fell and he worshipped. He fell down and he worshipped. Last week, we, we, we looked at Peter and Jesus when God steps in. And Peter walking on the water, and it says that when Jesus came, Jesus come again. But it says there that the disciples, when they realized that it was Jesus and he got in the boat, we read it, didn't we? It says that they fell down and they worshipped him then, when the sea had been calmed. Truly you are the Son of God, they said. They'd just seen the miracles and everything going on, but they, they, they declared that, that Jesus was truly the Son of God. Look at Joshua's response. It says that he fell down and he worshipped before the walls came down. Before the walls came down, he fell down. And that's what I want my response. I want to be in a church where, like I said last week, that we will worship him before the walls come down. Before the storm is calmed, before he turns the fish and the, 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 the loaves into a, a, a multiplication, before he does anything, I want to be part of a church that worships, that says whether it's good or whether it's bad, it's not going to rock my, my life. Yes, it may be painful. Yes, we may not understand. But Jesus is saying, I have come. There's always a third side to the story. There's always a third side to the story. I want to be part of a church that worships before he calms the storm. See, God always has a strategy. God always has a strategy. He brings order. It's never chaos with Jesus. I heard this the other week where they said, if you look through the Bible, you won't find ever an account where Jesus is running. 
Interesting, isn't it? Yeah, he was on a donkey, but you never ever hear of Jesus running anywhere. He always walked because he was in control. He always got there on time, even if it was two days late. That Mary and Martha thought he was two days late, but he got there on time because his timing's always perfect. And I want to encourage you today that Jesus, when he comes, he'll be walking, but he'll be walking with you. It's like I said last week, there's footprints in the sand, but there's also footprints above the water. Has anybody come up with a poem this week for footprints on the water? I'm still looking. There's a niche in the market there, isn't there? Yeah, we need to be get the worship center. Footprints on the water, that would be good, wouldn't it? Where's all our kind of um, entrepreneurs, all our people that can write poems? We need some creative people, don't we? That's what we want, people doing some poems. That would be good. Where am I going with this? I don't know. God has a strategy. God has a strategy. See, Joshua would not have put a trumpet in the battle plan. Joshua wouldn't have put a trumpet in the battle plan. Joshua wouldn't have put silence in their battle plan the night before. When he's thinking, how are we going to go in and deal with Jericho? How are we going to deal with this, Lord? For you, you might be saying, Lord, how am I going to be dealing with this? How am I going to deal with my kids that are unsaved? How am I going to deal with this problem? How am I going to deal with this sickness, this cancer, whatever it may be? that stands up as a stronghold against us. How am I going to deal with this? I want to tell you, when we're dealing with that, we're not usually thinking of trumpets. We're not thinking of trumpets. We're not thinking of, well, sometimes we think of silence. We kind of just think we'll bury our, usually men just bury their heads in the sand and kind of hope it goes away, doesn't it? It's usually the ladies that are more sort of, well, in our, me and Joe's relationship is a bit more like that. She's a bit more on it. I'm more burying my head. No, I'm not. But, God has a strategy. The trumpet wasn't part of Joshua's plan, but it was part of God's plan. See, we said earlier, it doesn't matter whether you're Trump or Biden. I want to tell you, there's a better Trump. <laughs> there's a better Trump, brother. Yes. Yeah. There's the Trump of the Lord. It says that that was part of God's plan. When they walked around... And we know the story. If you don't ever look, that's your homework for the rest of the day. Ever look in Joshua 6, the destruction of Jericho. Because as they walked around in silence for six days, it says on the seventh, they walked around seven times. But when the time came, when God said now, they blew the trumpet and the walls came down. The walls came down. Part of their praise and worship. I want to tell you, that's my responsibility. That's your responsibility. It's to say, God, whatever you're saying, we'll do it. Hearing what the Lord says. And God, if you say it, then my strategy, my battle plan can go in the garbage bin. Compared to your battle plan. What's his battle plan in your life? See, because I want to tell you today, the wars are coming down. Jesus says, see, he says, I have given Jericho into your hands. I have given that which is a stronghold in your life. I've given it into your hands. 
In the New Testament, Jesus, and I think Rob mentioned it, is saying, I've given you all authority. I've given you all power over the works of the enemy. I've given you. I've given you. I have given you. That gives me great hope. As Jesus says, I've given you all power. He said, more than able. He says, he is more than able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I can ask or think according to the power that works within who? Within me because of his power, his authority that he's given you as a gift to say, now you can speak to the enemy. You, can, you have power over the enemy in your lives, not because of who you are, but because of him working through you. His power is working through you. You're dynamite. Do you know that? You are dynamite in the spirit today. Matthew's nodding. You're dynamite. If only we would have grasped that. Because the enemy wants to keep you null. He wants to keep you numb about that fact. He doesn't want you knowing that you have power over the, the enemy. He doesn't want you knowing that you've got authority, that Jesus has given you authority. He doesn't want you knowing that. Because if you fully understood it, it would transform your life. Amen. It would change the atmosphere, Wens. It would change things. If you fully grasp what power you have when you use this, you've got to speak it out yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Said it last week, Mike, innit? Speak it out, around and back in. Quite a few people said to me this week they've been doing that. They've been doing it, speaking it out, back around and back in. That's faith talk. Because the wars are coming down. The wars are coming down. That's faith. Thank you, G. Let's, let's stand to our feet, please. Thank you, Jesus.